Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, church, last week, okay, last week we left off with Jesus, and he was right in the middle of his teaching. And here's what we learned. We learned that there were a bunch of people talking, right? They were talking, but what the problem was is they were misinterpreting what Jesus was saying and really who he was, okay? They've heard some stuff. They had looked at some things. They said, oh, this is Jesus, and they began to talk. And last week we discovered, if you will, there were a group of people who acted like his advisors. They wanted to tell Jesus what to do, how to do it, And to make things even more difficult, guess who they were? They were his own family. They were his brothers. And you go, really, Ben, what did they say? Well, they began to give Jesus, now you got to make a note of this, they began to give Jesus worldly advice, worldly advice. Okay, here's what they told Jesus. Jesus, listen, we know you're our bro. Okay, we're our bro. Now, you've done some stuff, right? And if you're going to be great, you, right, you, need to, you need to go where the people were. You need to go where the people are, Jesus. You need to make like a big spectacle. You need to make a huge miracle, right? You need to go up to Jerusalem, right, where everybody's coming in, and you need to, well, that's how you're going to get famous, right? Everybody's talking about you, Jesus. Now's your chance Step into center stage and show them your stuff. You see, his brothers, guys, were trying to advise them because they were thinking that they knew better. Know better. They were giving him what? They were giving him worldly advice. And you go, well, Pastor White. Now, I want you to catch something, guys. So important, so important. Jerusalem, okay, was the center of religious activity, okay? If you had a ministry right? And you wanted everyone to know about it, right? Put yourself in modern day. Listen, I've got this ministry. I want to get it out to the world. Jerusalem was the place you'd be. That's where you would be on TV. That's where you'd be on radio. Everybody would know about it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that was the center of just amazing spiritual activity. It was the very center of all religious activity. But Jesus doesn't go there right away. Jesus says, no, 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 no. See, Here's what the Bible tells us. Now, this is going to get good, okay? The Bible tells us that he said, no, not going to go up right away. As a matter of fact, he says he walked and he ministered up in the Galilee region, okay? He's going to minister up in Tiberias and Capernaum and Chorazin. He's going to, he's going to minister in those areas. Now, here's what we know. Between chapter 6 and chapter 7, it's six months of Jesus ministering. Now, John doesn't tell us that because he's more interested in giving us his deity, not the details, Right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke will give us details, but Jesus, but John is more snapshot. Boom. Check this out. Look at this. Here's Jesus. Watch this. Now, here's what you need to keep in mind. For six months, Jesus is ministering up in Galilee, right? Why? Well, the Bible says, right, that the Jews sought to kill him. So every one of us reading that go, oh, well, that makes sense. Nobody wants to go to the place where they're going to be killed, right? They're trying to kill you. Well, I think I'll just walk up there and see what's going on. No, we're, we're, we're going to step back. But here's what I want you to see. And here's what I want you to catch. Jesus, guys, is not afraid of the Jews. Jesus is not ministering in Galilee because he's like, oh, goodness, great. What do you think, Paul? What do you think, Matthew? Should I go? No, they're trying to kill you. Okay, well, I'll just stay here. Let, let him, let him. He's not that at all, okay? Jesus is not afraid of dying. That was his purpose on coming to earth, to die for our sins. He tells his brothers, my paraphrase, dudes, chill out. It's not my time, 
It's not my time yet. My hour has not yet come. You guys tracking with me? You go, okay. Okay, so what's going on? The reason that Jesus stayed and ministered for six months, guys, was because of something I believe called the Via Maris. You go, what is that? The V-I-A... M-A-R-I-S, the Via Maris, was, check this out, it was a modern name, okay, it's a modern name for the ancient trout rate that linked three continents, okay? You had Europe, you had Asia, and then you had Africa down here. Israel is this amazing land bridge that went right through, and it connected all three continents. You go, okay, I'm not sure, what do you mean? Okay, here's where it gets good. If you were traveling from Africa and you said, I need to go to Europe, okay, you would go through, guess where? Israel, and it's something called the Via Maris, and the Via Maris, you'd be walking, and, and if you were going to trade, or you would just you thought you'd take your family on vacation to Asia, whatever it is, you'd go right through there. Now, the Via Maris took you straight up to Israel, and then it veers over, and it skirts the Sea of Galilee. It skirts Tiberias, it skirts Capernaum, and it skirts Chorazin. All of these are right in that area. So you got your family. Let's just say you're going on vacation. You said, we're going to Europe. So you decide you're going to go. You would walk right through Tiberias. You would spend the night right on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, you, you know, because again, it wasn't like you could fly. And so all of a sudden, I'm going, why would Jesus spend from where? From... April all the way to October ministering. Here's why, right? Here's why. Listen, with as many people coming from where? From Africa up, from Europe, from Asia. I mean, all this amazing trade route. Guess what? Jesus, if you will, was probably the first internet. You go, what do you mean? Jesus is ministering to people as they come into his own city. People are getting saved, and they're taking the message back to Europe. They're taking the message back to where? Asia. They're going back down to Africa. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm just going to stay here. First and foremost, he's staying with the common folk, but all the travelers that are coming in, he's got a captive. Hey, did you hear? I heard about Jesus. I want to see this Jesus. Jesus says, listen, I am the son of God. And people go, wow. And they get saved on the Via Maris. And then they take the message to the world. And we're thinking, just because the Bible says that they wanted to kill him, we're thinking Jesus kind of hanging out, he's laying low. As a matter of fact, he's doing more mission work, but the people are coming to him, getting the message, and then taking it out to the world. Why is that important? Now listen, this is how Christianity spread so quick, right? Because when the disciples were, okay, it's time for you to go, they would come in and they would set up churches like Paul, and people already knew the message. Wow. They, there were so many trade routes that they were like, oh, yeah, we know about Jesus. I got saved. Yeah, Paul's here. Let's start a church. Okay, great. And that's how Christianity spread. What's very interesting is I've been studying the Bible for a long, long time, and I never under, knew about the, the Via Maris even through there. I knew that Paul, I knew that Paul there in, in, uh, on the Mediterranean Sea, that he would actually give the gospel and the sea would take it out to Italy and all that. I mean, that was the type of the internet. He was just giving information right there as he was prisoned. But Jesus was already 
Guys, giving the gospel there in Galilee, there in the sea. Six months as people came in. Now, listen, from April to October, isn't that really the best time to travel? That would be when, they, when it would, right, because that's when we go. Nobody says, oh, I just love the winter. I mean, we don't, we don't travel in the winter. It's hard, it's cold, it's, I mean, there's snow. I don't know if you guys understand that in Israel. So they're going to take off right around spring, and they're going to see Jesus here ministering. The time frame is amazing. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Guys, listen, Jesus has it all under control. And even when we don't understand, what's, what's he doing? He's, he's ministering. See, John tells us, guys, that, that there were so many other things written that we can't even, we can contain it. So could you imagine, John's like, uh, I can't write that down, man, we'll have, there'll be books as high as heaven. I mean, we, I mean, all of the ministry that Jesus did, even just within the six months, the Via Maris, think about it, guys, Europe, Asia, Africa, there's this little trade route, goes right by the Sea of Galilee and straight down. Wow. You, you're a missionary, your job is to go to a- Europe, guess what? There's already people there who know Jesus. Well, how does that apply to me? God's been doing that since the beginning of time. And he's got people in your job, in your sphere of influence, that are already have heard, and it's just your job to, to continue, to be that missionary at your work, to be that missionary at your school, to be that missionary. Well, Jesus sits for, for what? He's six months. His brothers say, aren't you going to go to the feast? Jesus like, guys, calm down. And so what he does, guys, is he goes up to the feast incognito, okay? He doesn't go right away, right? We see that Jerusalem is abuzz with conversation of whispers. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He got the attention of the country. Everybody's talking. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that when everybody's, there's, everybody is talking, but there's little substance is being said. There's not a whole lot of what people really know. So what Jesus does is right in the middle of the feast of tabernacles, okay? Tabernacles is an eight-day feast. So right about the middle, Jesus comes in and he walks in. People don't even recognize him because they're thinking he's not even going to be there. They were expecting him day one, day two, day three, about day four. Jesus comes in, he goes straight to the temple, he stands up and he begins to teach. Now, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. I, I'm calling this message Countdown to Showdown, and you go, why? Well, guys, if you understand that today we discover the prophetic time clock has begun. In just a few short chapters, Jesus is going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going to be hung on a cross. This is now beginning the countdown to the cross. And so Jesus comes in and he begins to talk. We're picking up our story, guys, in verse 14. Look what it says. Verse 14 of chapter 7. Now in the middle of the feast, Jesus went to the temple and taught. So around the fourth or fifth day of the eight-day feast, during in which it lasted, Jesus comes into the temple and taught. Now the word denotes, now I want you to catch this, a formal and continuous teaching. You go, what do you mean? He actually got up, said, open your Bibles, if you will, turn, I mean, he's teaching, and it's distinguished from more casual sayings. 
There are times when you and I, we can teach, but there are other times when we're, we're just interacting with people at our jobs or wherever we're at. That's kind of teaching too, but it's more casual. You're just like, yeah, oh, let me tell you what the Lord spoke to me and so forth. This, guys, and you need to grasp it, he goes into the temple and he what? And he denotes this continuous teaching. This was probably the first time that he did very openly in Jerusalem. Okay, he had kept back till the feast was half over so that really everything would subside. The people wouldn't be like, where's, can you imagine the first few days? And so he comes and he begins teaching at the temple. And of course, people are like, wow, wow. Now, there was a certain awe before the wrath of the rulers had time to come in and, dis- and break it up. You go, well, what was his rap, pastor? What was he saying? Well, look at verse 15. He begins to teach and it says, and the Jews marveled saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? Now, again, here's what's happening. Jesus stands up, he's at the temple in the middle of the feast, and he begins to teach. And they go, wow, they're marveling, they're amazed, right? And the Jews are just like, they're, they're like what, what Josh likes to use, the, the dudes are geeking out, man, they're tripping. They're like, are you serious? This, 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 what, what are you talking about? Now, now listen, Anytime we hear the word of God, guys, we also marvel. Anytime it really seeks into our spirit. Now, why? Because, listen, let's be honest, okay? There are times when we read the word of God and we can read it like a novel. Oh, that was a good story. Can I get an amen? But then there are times when it speaks to us. And you're like, oh, did you see that? I've read this a thousand times and it... Oh, that was so... I need it. Thank you, Jesus. And you know that, right? You marvel. You're like, how did this even... There are a lot of times, I don't know about you, there are a lot of times, guys, when we go through this and we trip out. You go, why? Because it like ties so beautifully together. As a matter of fact, you look at this and you go, you can't make this stuff up. This is amazing. How do you go? Here, here's what I want you to understand. 66 books, 40 different authors, all ties in beautifully. Some people go, well, there's, you see, there are human authors, and so there's a lot of discrepancies in the Bible. Really, show me. Well, I haven't really read the Bible, but I know I've heard there's a lot of, there's not. It's beautiful. It ties in beautifully. You just got to do a little bit of study. You got to dig a little bit. And so we marvel at the word of God. There used to be a song that we used to sing years ago, and it says, in, in, in my heart trembles at your word. I mean, that's, that's how awesome it is. Can you imagine opening the word of God and trembling because this is God, the God that created you speaking to you in order to bring comfort and peace. The Jews sit there, they're marveling. You go, what does that mean? It basically means to wonder by implication, to admire, to marvel. And so I'm thinking, okay, so, so the Jews watch him and, 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 and I'm wondering, why did they marvel? Right? Well, they marvel, but the first thing they do is they're not submitting to who God is. They actually question his credentials. You see that? Is not the Jews like mankind? There's two groups of people, guys. When you read his word and it begins to penetrate your heart, you submit in an area of love and say, Jesus, you are God, and you surrender your life, and everybody goes, yes! Or you're like the Jews that begin to go, really, I've read the word of God. Who is this one? And you begin to question his credentials. You go, how, how do they question his credentials? Well, here's what they say. How does this man know letters 
having never studied. Now, what you need to understand is the word letters here, or the, yeah, the word letters here is not like the alphabet. They weren't going, doesn't Jesus know A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Everybody knows that. It's not what he's talking about, okay? He's talking about the Old Testament law of God. So important, okay? Now, back in this day, okay, back in Jesus' day, there were two famous rabbis. The one was Hillel and Shimei, okay? These were the two leading rabbis. If you were going to go to school, you wanted to get into one of those rabbis. Now, there were other rabbis, but they weren't as, quote-unquote, famous. And so what would happen is if you were, uh, if you had some teaching or you had some schooling, the people would come up and ask you, well, what school did you go to? Did you go to the school of Hillel or did you go to the school of Shimei? And then you could boast up a little bit and put your chest back and be like, I, I attended the school of Rabbi Hillel. How about you? Right? Showing your credentials. Showing your credentials. Even if you didn't go to any of those schools, you can say, well, I went to this school with this rabbi. Well, letters meant credentials. And listen, the people knew Jesus. And they knew he never studied with a rabbi. They knew that. Jesus never, he, he openly always said, hey, listen, I, I, I'm from God and he sent me. And, but his teachings, church, listen, his teachings were so much more than they've ever heard any rabbi teach. It's like, who'd you stu- he didn't study with anyone. So let's chat for just a moment. I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about, right, the, you got the group of people that are, the, the Jews that are like, where are your credentials? I can't you didn't study with that. I can't believe this. And I started thinking, what about us? How does that affect us, right? Well, first and foremost, in our minds, we know that Jesus is a servant, right? He, the Bible says that he came not to be served, but to serve. And so we want to follow his example as being servants. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we want to be servants. And so we think, well, how are servants prepared, right? How are servants, how do people get to be servants, right? Specifically servants that teach the word of God. Well, okay, first and foremost, Captain Obvious is really simple. There are very fine schools that teach us about the word of God, okay? We have seminaries, we have Bible colleges, we have schools of ministries, and we have shepherd school. And you go, Pastor, you lost me. I can't go to seminary. I can't go to Bible college. I can't, I can't do this. Well, I get that, right? Most of us can't go to these schools. So how are we going to be as servants? But here's what I want you to see. I see if, if, if there's not so much a formal school, we also have God's Holy Spirit as our teacher. We have God's Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, So he answered and he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Okay? Charles Spurgeon. Anybody hear of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon was most, he was used most by God in the 18th century. Let me let you in a little secret. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon never had any formal schooling? The great pulpiteer in which thousands of people lined up to hear Spurgeon. And Spurgeon used to read, he used to read his sermons like this. I mean, he wasn't dynamic. He wasn't walking around going, hey, how's it going? You know, how you doing? He just, and people came in. How does, how does that happen? He goes, I didn't, I didn't go to school, but it was the power of God's Holy Spirit in me that drew people. And people would be convicted in the chairs and they would be convicted by the word of God. They were not so much worried about being entertained as they were about learning and growing in God's word. 
Now, let me say this to you. I think there has to be a level of God's gifting in the teacher. Would you agree? Because there are times when you've heard pastors and I've heard pastors and they are very monotone. Lord, and we go, and they stay talking. And there, there's not a gifting there, and that's okay. But they're pastors, and, they, and, and, and we just go, oh. And you start hitting your watch, and you're like, I think it's slow. Come on. So there has to be a level of, a level of gifting, okay? Now, Charles Spurgeon, guys, he didn't go to school. Now, he had a school because he understood the importance of it. So I'm not down on school. But what I'm telling you is that if you want to be a servant, walk in God's Holy Spirit, and he will equip you. He will equip you. He will equip you to do his work. I think a great way a servant to be prepared is to say, Lord, come and fill me with your spirit, and, 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 and I'll go forward, and I'll speak what you ask me to speak. Well, Jesus answers them, right? Notice back in verse 16. And Jesus answered, and he said to them, he says, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. You guys see that in verse 16? If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for doctrine. Here's what I want you to know. It's in the singular, and it means the teaching of Jesus. That's what it means. So Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, my teaching is not mine. What's that? He says, but it's the Father's. He's always pointed us to the Father. Now, let me, let me, let me let you on, an, on a little rub here. Here's what's going on. There's a lot of people who will look at Scripture like that and say, uh-huh, see, Jesus is not God because he keeps pointing that my teaching is not mine. It's the Father's. How can he say God? Well, if he was God, wouldn't he say it's mine? But here's what he's trying to tell you. He's trying to be a good example of how we need to relate to the Father. And so he comes in, he says, okay, my teaching is not mine, but it's my Father's. And I thought, okay, so what's some application we can grasp here? Well, Jesus told us that his teaching, his doctrine is straight from the Father. We know it's true, amen? It's righteous and it's relevant. We know that. But what about other teachings that we hear every day? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to see warning sign. Warning, warning, warning. You go, what's that? If you want to know a true servant or a true teacher from God, just check out their teaching. You go, what do you mean? Listen, false teachers will always point you away from Christ. False teachers will always, again, they'll point us away from the central truth of Jesus. You need to keep that in mind. We must pay very, very close attention because there are some false teachers, guys, that are so good, and yet there's just enough poison in their message. It's so important, guys, I warn you, with as much love as I can muster, when you listen to somebody on the radio or you watch them on TV, if you see that their central message is away from Jesus, it's away from the ministry of Jesus, it's away from the gospel, if it's stories, motivation, if it's something that, that riles people up, but they're not coming back to the truth of the gospel. What is the truth of the gospel? We know that we must repent from our sin. Well, nobody talks about repenting. People don't need to know about, but see, that's the central truth of what Jesus said. You guys, we need to repent. We need to turn. We need to walk in obedience to him. 
And we've got to be careful with false teaching. As a, matter of, as a matter of fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul warns us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. In the last days, guys, you're going to be people that are going, man, this seems like they're not even part of the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Guys, listen, listen. Your pastor or pastors, whoever behind this pulpit, needs to give you the full counsel of the word of God. If he doesn't, if I don't, then you need to get out of here. Because it's not about church, it's not about a building, it's not about chairs, it's not about anything but Jesus. He's the only one that can save you. That conviction you feel at times as the word is is coming forth is not coming from your pastor. Oftentimes I used to go up to my pastor and go, were you in my bedroom? What, What was that about? You were looking right at me. Anybody ever get that? That's the Lord. It's in his Word through the power of his Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews says this, guys, in Hebrews 13, verse 9, do not be carried away with various strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart of established by grace, not with foods which have been um, profited, those who have been accompanied by them. He says, he says, don't be carried away with various and strange doctrines. He says, stick to the truth and the word of God. And so, and so Jesus continues in verse 17. Notice what he says. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine or the teaching, whether it's from God or whether I speak of my own authority. He who speaks from him seeks his own glory. He who speaks for himself seeks his own glory, excuse me. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keep the law? Excuse me? Yeah, why do you seek to kill me? Now, again, we got to go back. we got to do a little bit of work. Why? Because Jesus is having this dialogue, right? He's up in the temple, and he says, if anyone wills. Now, here's what you need to know. I think a better word is the word determines. If anyone determines. So look at your Bible, circle that, and say, I'm going to put determines right here. Because will or wants gives us the impression that maybe or maybe not. Maybe or maybe not. Like, for example, if I say to you, I will go, you really don't know whether I'm saying I intend to go or I'm determined to go. You don't know. You with me? So you can say it both ways. You can say, I will go, with the emphasis there, or you can say, I will go. So a better word is determines, right? So Jesus is telling us, he's saying, if, he says, if you determine, listen to me, church, to do God's will, that'd be a good place to go. I determine to do God's will. You will have a supernatural miracle performed inside you. You go, what? God's going to show you whether the teaching or not is divine. You go, help me out here. Have you ever been listening? Maybe you're watching on TV. Maybe you're listening to on the radio. However you're doing it. Maybe you visited a church or whatever. And something in your spirit says, ah, I'm not gelling with this guy. Ah, I just, he's saying things, but it just, it just doesn't click with me. That's because when you determine to do God's will, he puts his spirit inside you and you go, 
And that's how we like teachers, guys. That's how you like your favorite teachers. You go, oh, I, I gel with him because he's teaching the truth. He's teaching truth. Now, let me just say this, okay? I just let me give you a disclaimer. The teachers are but men. And even though you go, man, I really like his doctrine. He is right on. He's teaching. We're just men. And we can make mistakes. And, and, and we can be left-sided at one point, And we can be right-sided at one point. So your teaching needs to come from where? The word of God. We don't follow men. We follow Jesus. Men will disappoint us. Pastors will disappoint us. Priests will disappoint we, we get We understand that, right? And people go, amen, pastor. But I saw a church that when the pastor fell, it destroyed the church because people were following the gifting of the pastor versus the gifting of God's spirit. I never want that to happen here. But then Jesus segues into a different teaching. Look at verse 19. He says, did did not Moses, and everybody perks up, right? Because they know Moses. Did not Moses give you the law? Yes, Moses, he says, yet none of you keep the law. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. You know what? We're about, we're about getting ready to rumble here. Okay? We're about getting ready to go. We're about ready to go MMA here. Why? Because now that he just called them out, he says, he says, guys, you're not keeping the law. And they're putting their hands on their hips and they're going, are you serious? And he goes, why do you want to kill me? Right? He's taking him back to the law. Which, which commandment is that? Thou shall not. Very good. You guys are amazing. He says, you guys know the law. Thou shall not murder. Hello, right? He's sitting here going, you want to kill me? He says, as a matter of fact, listen, the last time that Jesus came into Jerusalem, he came through the sheep gate. He healed a man. It was on the Sabbath. And then, every, and then, and then he claims to be one with the father. And their reaction, they wanted to kill him. They didn't want to just, they didn't want to follow him. They wanted him dead. And so Jesus busts him right here. He just busts them right there. He says, you guys know the law and yet you want to kill me, right? Now, I think this is a very important verse and you go, why? I think there are times when the church does the same thing. No, time out, pastor. Are you saying that we all get together and we want to kill Jesus? No, 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 no. What I'm saying, guys, is that we know the word of God and yet we think for the greater good, we should, obey, we should disobey the word of God. Right? We've got to be careful that we need to trust that this is the You go, what do you mean? Guys, listen, you know the word of God. You know it. And in a weird way, you, feel, you figure for the greater good or for the greater good of you or what you're going through, that it's easier to disobey the word of God because God really doesn't know what you're going through. God really doesn't understand what you're going through. And so I know here's what you tell me, but I'm going to do this. And we do that, guys. We do that. And, and, and what I'm saying is be careful. Let's, let's come back. Let's repent and come back to the word of God and quickly confess and go, oh my goodness, I'm, I messed up. I'm sorry, Lord. I need to be obedient to your word. I need to be obedient to your word. Well, guess what the people said? The people should have said, woohoo, our savior, amen. No, you know what they said? You have a demon, Right? Who's seeking to kill you? <laughs> right? And you're just like, really? I mean, okay, out of context, 
that's just even crazy telling the son of God you have a demon. Okay? I'd be like, Gio, you say something. I'm not going to say nothing. I mean, but, but here's what they really mean. Here's what they mean. They say, you're crazy. You're cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. That's what it is, Jesus. I mean, you, you've done lost. I mean, Jesus, by you saying this, I don't think your elevator goes all the way to the top floor. I mean, this is what they're saying. You're crazy. You're crazy. And so Jesus probably smiles. Why? Here's what I want you to see. He's not mad at them. He's teaching them. He's got a heart of gold. And, and I bet he smiles and he, he illustrates his teaching. Notice Jesus said, now we're there, okay? We're there. We're watching. We're sitting with Jesus. We're watching all of this, man. We're his disciples and we're like, wow. And Jesus answered and he said to them, he goes, guys, I did one work and y'all marveled. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? He says, guys, don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Go. Wow, what did he say, pastor? Well, as Jesus begins to teach, he says, in appearance, guys, here's the deal. If you were to circumcise a child, now circumcision, right? If you had a baby, you would circumcise him on the eighth day, always on the eighth day, because that's when the vitamins in the baby was at its top level. And so the blood, I mean, it's just, it's God, I mean, just God knows what he's doing. He just does on the eighth day. Well, what happens if the, if, if the eighth day was the Sabbath day? Okay, Friday night at 6 to Saturday at 6 is considered the Sabbath. What if it, what if it, he says, you guys, because you want to keep the law of Moses, you go ahead and do circumcision. So you're actually keeping it, breaking the law for health reasons, for the sake of the law of Moses. You guys, you guys with me? And so he says, so, so you do it and yet it is right. So too, appearance might be the violation of the Sabbath to heal a man, and yet it is right to do. Works of necessity and mercy. He says, you guys want to kill me? You're missing the whole point. And those of us who are disciples of Jesus, we're going, wow, he just schooled the Jews. Not, not in an ugly way or a mean way. He just like, he just told them, guys, listen, and, and here's what I'd like to say. He says, he says, guys, don't judge according to appearance, but judge according to righteous judgment. Why? They had decided early on, Jesus comes into the sheep gate, he heals the men, everybody's like, wow, but it's the Sabbath, so boo. And so they start to judge by appearance and they, that Jesus appeared to be a sinner. And they appeared to be what? Righteous because... It was the Sabbath, and they were keeping the Sabbath. Yet, they were wrong each time. They needed to judge with a righteous judgment instead of only appearances. Do we not do the same things at time, church? And it may not even get as deep as breaking the law, but you, we judge by how somebody looks. Right? Right? I mean, we, we, and here's, here's my plea to you, okay? If a, if a man comes and sits in that center aisle and he's got a three-piece suit, which we don't really do suits at Calvary, that's cool. But if he comes in with a three-piece suit, 
we're judging. Hmm, wonder what he's like. I wonder if he's got a lot of money. Look at him, right? There's a lot of people who have grown up that they wear suits and ties at church. That's cool. But what if a guy came in and he had long hair and a bandana and he was tatted all over and he looked rough and he drove up in a Harley? How many of us would go, oh, I don't even know if he's saved. I mean, what is that all about? And he might be the most godly man loving Jesus. And we're, we, we need to judge righteously. We need to judge righteously. How do you judge rightly? See the man's heart. See the woman's heart. Jesus said that people would know us how? By our fruit. By our fruit. Here's what I love about God, guys. God made every one of us different. Every one of us are so different, right? And we learn to get along, but, we, but God didn't put, he didn't make me and Paul exactly alike. That would be boring. He said, I'm going to make Paul a little bit different. I'm going to make you, and, and, and this is how my church, it's going to be so amazing. It's so amazing. Why? Man, because God just loves variety. He just loves all kinds of cool stuff. Right? And so we, have, we can't judge by the appearance. We just need to judge righteously. Now, he says in verse 25, Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Wait, wait a minute. I got a question. Is this not he who they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Say, the people from Jerusalem knew that the leaders wanted to kill Jesus, okay? The crowd that came for the feast did not know it. But those in Jerusalem did. Yet they were amazed that the rulers would not and could not stop Jesus from teaching, right? So they're going, wait a minute, if, if he's so bad, if he's, if he's out... Look at this. Why are they not doing anything? And they go, however, look at verse 27. We know, that there, we know where this man is from, right? Where is Jesus from? He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth, and now he has his headquarters in Capernaum. And so they're going, we know where this man is from, but when Christ comes, no one knows where he's from. And then Jesus probably just, just put his hand over his brow and just, oh, you know, He's why? Because Jesus cried out and he said, guys, listen, you both know me and you know where I am from. And I have not come from myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Why? What is Jesus saying? Okay, many, okay, but not all of the Jews at this time believe that the Messiah would suddenly appear as out of nowhere. You go, where do they get that? Jot this down. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 says that God's messengers would come suddenly into the temple. So they took that verse, they took that verse and said, oh, we know that you grew up in Nazareth, you can't be the Messiah, and they totally took a little bit of knowledge and, and, and got a little bit puffed up, a little bit of pride, and, and decided that this couldn't be the Messiah. And Jesus was like, guys, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. And he says to them, notice, he says, I have not come by myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. He says, but I know him. Why? For I am from him who sent me. Now, here's the biggest question that your pastor struggles with in his whole life. You go, what's that? You ready? Drum roll. 
has God always just been there for eternity and age? I mean, doesn't that blow your mind? It's like, I, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I know God was up there. And then, but, but beyond that, I, it just blows my mind. Here was a loving, wonderful God. And he's been there forever. In other words, I don't know where he's from. So as a matter of fact, Malachi is probably pretty true. Why? Because Jesus came from where? From the Father. Where'd the Father come from? I don't know. He's always been there. Well, that's what John tells us, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he was, he's always been there. So, okay, so go back to Genesis 1.1. That's where time started, Genesis 1.1. So take a day before Genesis 1.1. Was Jesus, was God there? Go a hundred, go a hundred, go go a hundred million years before Genesis one one. Was God there? Now, here on Earth, I don't understand that. But one day, when I get to heaven, I'll be like, oh well, there you go. I worried my mind over nothing. Say, say, when you'll know all things. Say, Lord, you were worried about nothing. And that's where he's getting this. And he says, he says in verse 29, he says, but I know him. He says, why? For I am from him and he sent me. That should be, guys, that should be, that should be the crux of it. I know him. Guys, let's close with this. Jesus stands up in the temple and he teaches to those who have an ear to hear. Hear the Lord and believe but those, some of them cannot hear. Some of them won't hear. Why? Because in a few short chapters, these will be the ones yelling, crucify him, crucify him. See, Jesus tells us in John fourteen six. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me leave you with this thought, okay? For six months, Jesus has been ministering to the people who were coming to him through the Via Maris. He's been ministering. The gospel is going out. And now he goes to the temple, to the religious people, and they're not getting it. They're not seeing it. And sometimes, guys, we don't want to see it. Sometimes we don't want to see it. And yet the Lord is so gracious that he keeps on, he keeps on until the scales fall from our eyes and we're like, wow, yes, I believe. I believe. I believe. Aren't you grateful for the, the Via Maris? That's why we're here today. Because Christianity spread and spread and spread and spread. And somebody told your great, 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 great grandfather who, I mean, and guys, and we're saved. We love Jesus and we're going to be with him forever because Jesus was faithful to come down and do his father's will. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We're just excited to hang out with you, God. And we know that you have so much more for us next week. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.